Welcome to riding a cruiser, my friend. (laughs) It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield, Rico Hogan, and John Maracle. Also, nope. Loud Pipes, episode 96. We're going to be catching up with a past guest this evening. Talk about his wrenching and riding activities. And by the time most of you hear this, I should be on a beach somewhere in the Caribbean as we look toward fall riding. Nice. A beach in the Caribbean. That's right. So I think for the third or fourth time, let's welcome back Mr. Matthew Williams, otherwise known as Off Balance on YouTube, OPH Balance. Uh, welcome, Matthew, back to Loud Pipes. Thank you very much. Our little uh, group of folks is always happy to be on on the show. Absolutely, yeah. Moto Nobody's always welcome. Just if we have you on with John, just make sure you don't get him all liquored up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a crowd pleaser. <laughs> uh, so I know we talked in the pre-show, no beverage on your end, maybe a little uh, sweet tea? Well, sweetened. Tea. So the difference being, I don't drink the stuff that they serve down here because it, you know, I like my teeth right in my mouth. <laughs> so, so just up, sweetened by yourself, then right. So the the stuff we drink up north is not bitter, but you only put in one cup of sugar for a gallon versus you know <laughs> a, a cup of tea per gallon of sugar. <laughs> Understood. That took some getting used to, but I must say that. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I'm Southern now because I enjoy me some good sweet tea. Well, you know, McDonald's has got it nationwide now. They sure do. All right, well, I'll carry the beer torch then. I have a a Pilot Mountain. This is a pale ale from Foothills Brewing there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This is, what do we got here? 5.5%, 52 IBUs, just an easy pale ale. A good almost one. A, it's almost a nice beer there. <laughs> As far as percentages go, almost ice meaning. Ah, uh, so once upon a time in my days of yore, mm. when drinking was done, um, we, we leaned towards Milwaukee's best ice because it had the most alcohol by volume of any beer you could buy in Pennsylvania at the time. Milwaukee's ice, I remember those ice beers, yeah, and it was six or six and a half percent, something like that. But you're right. They all seem to have a little, you know, just a touch more alcohol than anything else. For no good reason other than they had more alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and it was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and we refused to drink Keystone Ice because we weren't that desperate. Uh, did you have, so, okay, so I grew up in Pennsylvania as well. And did you have Kasha's Golden Anniversary? Do you remember that? No, Terrible no, stuff? No, it did Keystone Ice, the, the Schuylkill County folks made fun of Keystone Ice because that was, we might have to cut this, but I'm going to say it was Panther. <laughs> a lot because of it of the was. Penn State Lions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Schlitz was another, there's another good old mining town, lumber town kind of beer. Oh, yeah. I remember Keystone Light. I don't remember Keystone Ice, though. I, I guess I kind of passed on the whole ice beer stuff. But I did most of my drinking in the woods. In fact, I, I don't do bars. 
I'd have to say that's a Pennsylvania thing and upstate New York. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. In fact, like it just going to uh, the meetups that we do with the small groups, it's just kind of like, you know, being back in high school. Yeah. Well, let's move on to new topics. Well, I think, I know yours doesn't quite sound like that, but let's start with the first one, and that is you have a new ride, my friend. I do have a new ride. So what had happened was the Magna (laughs) stranded me. (laughs) I don't know the count, but it was for the last time. I just couldn't take it anymore. You did it to me for the last time. Yeah, it snapped the throttle cable, and this is the second one it's gone through at that point. And I had to use the Magna over the wintertime, because my car also decided, hey, it's a good day to die. Ugh. So I didn't have room to both wrench on the Magna, and I had to put my car in the garage to recondition the big old hybrid battery pack. There was That was fun. Lots of fun. I got to say, though, I, I give you props for diving into hybrid powertrain. I saw some of that stuff you were working on. That's, that's no joke. Well, the death by electricity rate, the, the, that was high. <laughs> that, that was a possibility. <laughs> But as long as you don't go outside the bounds of what they tell you to do, you'll be fine. But the battery's freaking heavy. Mm. What year is it? I know it's a Prius, but what year is it? It was an 05. Well, it still is an 05. Okay. So all told, 650, I think I put into it. And it's been running fine ever since I put it back on the road. Wow. Did you weigh it? What does the battery pack weigh? I don't remember. It weighed enough that I could not get it in by myself. (laughs) A couple yeah. of men and a couple of beers. Yeah, and and it's in this this aluminum housing, so it bends real easily. Mm. Interesting. But anyway, to get back on to... So the Magna was my primary vehicle for January and February. And uh, I have been tracking a Honda VTX, which I originally thought was an 1800. Okay. From two summers previous, where a neighbor that had moved off and said, hey, you know, I got this bike. I never ride it. And uh, would you be interested in it? And I just jumped on it. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. Well, he didn't want to sell it right away because he's still kind of emotionally attached to the idea of riding. <laughs> but couldn't actually ride a pedal bike or a tricycle, according to his brother. Oh, dear. So this poor bike sat in a shed for 10 years. It had 740 miles when it came to me. What? And it's an 05 VTX 1300. Wow. That's a puppy. Yeah. And so I, I brought it home and replaced the tires, replaced all the, uh, the, the lines, the vacuum lines, because it kind of started, but only with choke, like 100% on. Right. Replaced the plugs because you can't run a bike with the choke 100% on. Replaced the pet cock because that was leaking as well. And the, the, there's a little diaphragm in there that had failed. It was rubber. Uh, it also replaced another two or three things in the carburetor that were rubber that had dry rotted. It was carb- carbureted in that year, huh? Well, the 1300s all were. Okay. The 1800s were all fuel injected. Got it. And when the line switched over from being the VTX to the interstate... They uh, all took on the 1300 Furies engine. 
Okay. And so now they're all fuel injected, that whole line. Got it. Oh, so the Fury is a 1300 as well. Yes, it is. That That is the, not predecessor, but whatever comes afterwards. Words S- fail. Successor, yeah. Successor, there we are. <laughs> We're here to help. So yes, the Fury, the Interstate, those are all, so the, the VTX line went away in 09, and that's what took over. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've been looking at the Fury. There was a couple of for sale uh, at a place I stopped at over the weekend. I was just picking up some oil, and they seem like leftovers, like 2016 leftovers. At least they didn't appear to be used. But the the thing that struck me was the size of that the cylinder head on the top of that, the, the valve train covers and all that. It just looked massive. I thought yeah. for sure that was an 1800. No, well, and some of those are all chromed up pieces of plastic that they put as shrouds over top of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So the cover is really bigger than than what it needs to be. That's correct, and it hides the spark plug and the wires, and it makes it look more classic cruisery. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that explains it then. And they're big engines, but the problem is they weigh in at almost seven hundred pounds for the smaller one, and almost eight hundred pounds for the eighteen hundred. Yeah, cruisers are heavy. So I, <laughs> yes, I, I was watching your video earlier. Um, like we said in the opening, you know, Matthew does uh motor vlogging over on YouTube and the one where you talked about eight things you hate about the VTX. Right. I was like, just welcome to riding a cruiser, my friend. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> well, so, uh, interesting story about that. So I've got a 10 things I hate about the Suzuki intruder, which is another bike that I own, but I'm looking to no longer own mm-hmm. whatever two years ago. Last year, I'm not sure, a challenge had gone out amongst motor vloggers of, hey, do a 10 things you hate about your bike video. And everybody jumped on board with, yay, it's a topic and I don't have to think about it. <laughs> I don't have to come up with it myself. Awesome. Con- content for the week, score. Um, So I did a, a 10 things and I had written them down and some of them were just stupid like, oh, the gas tank scratched and oh, these mirrors are really, really freaking old and they're busted. Yeah. So I... I thought you know oh well it got a lot of views in fact it gets a lot of views every day it's one of my highest view videos Hmm. out of all the ones i've done i don't know why just people flock to it it's a good title i thought well you know the vtx deserves one of these that's that's why i've done it so it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek and some of it's serious but some of it not And, and so far my best comment though on the intruder line that the top 10 things on the intruder is I was called out for complaining too much and just sell the bike already. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, did you not? I mean, I'm pretty sure in the intro to this, I mentioned how it's, I was called out to do this. Right. And it was all pretty sarcastic. Well, all right, then good luck to you, sir. It's almost like a dare at that point. So I, I said, Hey, you know, I don't even know what I was thinking. You're right. But you know what? It's for sale. Thanks for watching. <laughs> like, I, well, I can give you a snark back. I mean, if that's what you want. I love it. Fistfuls of snark. Oh, that's funny. So anyway, but yeah, I was just thinking as I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, he's, he's used to riding a lighter, more powerful bike or similar, similar power, but a lighter bike with better braking. Cause I know the Magna has, or the Magna and the Intruder both had dual rotors in the front, right? No, uh, the, so the intruder is a single disc. Okay. And, um, I'm sorry, which one did I say? 
So the intruder is a single. Intruder single in the front, and then it has uh, drum brakes in the rear, which I have not yet to work on. And since I'm in the process of trying to sell it anyway, <laughs> I hope to never have to work on. You're not going to learn now either. <laughs> I have no interest in that at all. I mean, I'm fine with with calipers; they're easy to deal with. The pistol, the the drum thing, I'm like, yeah, that's 1970s technology. Go away. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, oh, sorry, I was just going to say enough about what you don't like. What do you like about the VTX? And I guess how many miles have you put on it since you acquired it? Um, almost 5,000 miles at this point I put on it. And that was in the spring you got that? Early yeah, summer? I got that in February. Nice. And I've taken it so far out to the, we didn't go, oh, we did go into Tennessee this time. Uh, so it was a tr- as a whole, our moto nobody's group, we went out to Tennessee and Rode around uh, various mountains out there and d- avoided riding Tail of the Dragon this year. Um, was John on that trip? I want to say we talked was. about that. Yeah. So that was a good bit of it. And I, I ride it at least once a week to work. And of course, it was my bike of choice when uh, the car was broken. Hmm. So the so the Magna stays then? No, the Magna is gone. Oh, the Magna's gone. I missed that. Magna I parked it and I ran it every now and again. I put it up on Craigslist and got paid for it. How much I put, well, how much I purchased it for, not how much I put into it. Which, yes, this is the way it goes with motorcycles. Not as bad as a boat. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> anyway, sorry I distracted you. What, what did you like? What do you like about the VTX, I should say? It cruises well up on the highway. Um, it, it's, you, you won't be doing a hundred all day long because it's still, you know, it's, it's only a 1300 and it's a heavy 1300 at that. Mm-hmm. And it's all stock, stock exhaust and intake and everything. Yep. It is all stock. The only real additions were it's got highway bars, uh, that were added well, crash bars rather they were added to it. And it had come with, a, about a 17 inch windshield, one of the barn door kind of windshields big oval kind of thing oddly enough i actually found myself liking that windshield i was gonna say i'm not a fan so i'm curious to hear your take about the windshield on a cruiser so keep in mind uh i rode it a lot more in the winter during those well north carolina winter you know (laughs) yeah it's a relative winter (laughs) we spent most of the time in the 50s this winter it was glorious it cut down on all the wind that would come up and then get up inside your helmet. Mm-hmm. Just all that cold air just running right up your chest and making you kind of cold. And on the ride out to Tennessee this year, the, it was like the wind wanted us to die. There was wind that would come at us from front ways or wind coming at us from sideways. It was like 25 mile an hour to 35 mile an hour gusts with like a 15 mile an hour constant wind the whole ride out there. Mm. I get tiring. But that helped unbelievably. I was not tired the whole trip. Yeah, that was the biggest thing I noticed was when I had the windshield on mine is it would just take the pressure off so you didn't have to hold yourself up when you're you know, when you're running the interstate. But do, do you use it or have you used it without the windshield for comparison? Yes. So right now when it gets hot and there's no, there's no airflow uh, into your helmet itself. 
So it sits high enough that it, it all the air just goes right up over my head. There's no buffeting. It's it's nice, but then again, when you're mm-hmm. in stop and go traffic and it's 95 degrees, not good. Yeah, you want more air. Yep. So are you look so, are you looking through it or are you looking over it? I look over it, only just barely. <laughs> just barely. <laughs> just enough. You know, I don't actually notice it when I'm riding. Oh, that's uh, good. It's, it's kind of scuffed because again, it sat in a barn and. <laughs> the guy had brought it here from Texas in the back of a minivan, which explains some of the very odd scuffing on parts of the bikes you would go. But how did you scuff that but completely avoid getting scratches here? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. On the mirrors, there were no mirrors on the bike when I bought it. And the reason why there are no mirrors are I've never in my life encountered this. It, it makes a good story. So the guy likes to shave when he's in the shower. Oh, dear. <laughs> I personally would never do that. But hey, you know, to each of their own. So he wouldn't buy like a stick on mirror or a mirror with a suction cup. You could take to the shower with you. <laughs> he used the mirrors from the bike. <laughs> and had been doing so for probably six years. <laughs> so. He dropped them both and broke them both over the years. He had told me, oh, I don't know what happened to them. They were with the bike. I don't remember. His <laughs> wife confided in me on when I went to go pick it up. Oh, he used those things to shave with. Ah, he broke them both. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> well, it makes for a good story. Mm. Oh, that's hilarious. Surprisingly, mirrors are expensive. I think I paid about 100 bucks, but they're, they're not like plastic cased things on the up at the top of the stock it's all aluminum across the whole thing did you so did you get uh stock replacements or aftermarket was no I went, to, I went to amazon mostly because i didn't feel like paying partsilla or whatever right parts warehouse i've had good luck with oem parts through uh what do i use most of the time i think bike bandit maybe is one of them oh yes i have used them i get a lot of oem parts from there uh, back when I had the KLR and j- sometimes just like tiny stuff, like, you know, there's a specific bolt that holds on the chain guard or something. You just can't find it, you know, in a, in a hardware store. So I bought a ton of yeah. stuff from there. The bolts that hold. So I also I put bags on it. It didn't come with bags and I put a sissy bar on it, which he lost somewhere. It did have one at one point in time. Also in the shower. <laughs> yeah. It makes a good seat. <laughs> Backrest. Well, to me, so I like the sissy bar on the bike uh, because I ha- I take a laptop to work mm-hmm. and back. And I have a bag that I bought off of Craigslist. Uh, that's, I cut the side enclosure pieces out. So it used to have two little zipper pockets that were the size of a book, maybe. Right. You could fit like a novel on each end for no discernible reason. So I opened them up, just cut the nylon material away. And it just fits the laptop for work and it's a 15 inch laptop but strapping that to the seat would make me incredibly nervous mm-hmm. i'm sure it makes miracle cringe as well if it were just secured that way but with having the um sissy bar back there i can secure it to that and know it's not going anywhere yeah that's one thing i used a lot when i was commuting is i had a i had a backpack from harley that was you know, had a nice padded slot for a laptop, but it also had this big Velcro strap that you could just slide right over the backrest. 
And that was nice because I, I'm not a huge fan of using a backpack on a bike, you know, unless I absolutely have to, like on the sport bike or something. But it's just nice to have it back there, and and solid too. This is true. And I tried. I think the first six months of riding a bike to work, I used like a just my normal laptop bag. Mm-hmm. And I found that by the end of it, I would I was pulling stuff in my neck and my arms and my back just from because it I had two laptops I would bring with me. <laughs> it would shift and tug and to one like side. Twenty pounds worth of crap in that bag. <laughs> Funny. What well, so? Honest. No, I was just gonna say, what kind of saddlebags did you end up with? Oh, I can never pronounce the name. It's an eBay special. <laughs> uh, they were only two hundred dollars, and they're but are they leather or rigid or? Rigid, what the, it's not polycarbonate, it's something like that. It, it's uh, ABS plastic, that's what it is. But they're rig- rigid and covered with leather, or they're just like, oh, paint- they're just painted. all they're painted ABS. Got it, got it. They don't really match the bike, uh, because they're black and the bike is a silvery, whatever you want to call it, it kind of a cloudy silver. Sounds like you need a couple of rattle cans. Yeah, well, surprisingly, this the paint on them are they're holding up pretty well, they're not scratching. Hmm. Be a fun winter project for you. Yeah. Well, I've I've got a neighbor up the street who's got a spray gun and a Dodge Ram. And you know that Dodge Blue that they use right now? Currently, is it you're talking about a dark or a light color? More like the lighter blue. I like the blue that they used to use for the what the heck was that truck? They remember they had a like an indie pace truck edition one year? That was a really nice blue, but yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with the newest ones though. Well, no, his is, he's got like an 05 or an 06, uh, Ram 1500 and someone ran into him in the parking lot and he fixed it himself and sprayed it himself. So he's got a bunch of that left over. Nice. And I'm thinking I might just make it a Dodge blue bike. <laughs> the whole bike? You just paint the whole bike? Well, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, you just got the, uh, the two fender pieces the tank and the side covers and poof, you're done hmm all right i'm doing a quick search because now i gotta find these indianapolis pace edition trucks to see what they look like nice. <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's what they were i just don't remember the year yeah here we go here's a good example so this is this is a 96 that was the first year for the ram yeah, for the newer the Ram RTST, whatever it is. Uh, my brother-in-law's got one of those. Yeah, here you go. Check this out. I'll send you the link. All right, we'll put a picture in the show notes. But yeah, I remember these trucks. I was I always thought these were cool. Yeah, that's that's the color of the truck he's got. That's the blue. You know? Okay. Yeah. Now my brother-in-law's got the red variant of that, uh-huh. and he's got a '97. It's still running in Pennsylvania, no less. And it he replaced. A good portion of the bed last year, just due to rust. Wow, MPA. That's a that's saying something. <laughs> if it's still yeah, going, <laughs> it's still going. And those, my God, those tires are expensive. Yeah, well, because they're significantly wide, but they're only about oh, sixteen inch wheel, right? Yeah, they're 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 ten or twelve inches wide. The stock ones. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to get a wide wheel nowadays, but it would be like a twenty, not a sixteen inch wheel. Yes. So he ended up buying uh, it was like a six-inch wide wheel, snow tire kind of thing, and that's what he runs most of the time. <laughs> that's got to look funny. No, it doesn't look too big because it's the same height. It's just narrower. Yeah. 
So it's the same tire profile. It's not like where you see a really big Silverado that looks like it needs giant tires on it mm. running like a donut for some reason. All right. Well, let's see. So you got rid of the Magna, so I can't ask you about that. And the Intruder is for sale? The Intruder is for sale. There's no... Originally, we I kept it because my wife had shown interest in maybe riding. And uh, oh. she's just not... Uh, what's a good politically correct way to say this? Um, well, before you get yourself in trouble, <laughs> I think those buckhorns are terrible to learn on. So I I wouldn't start there. Okay, that's that's number one. Number two is <laughs> my first vehicle when I met her was a Honda Civic with a stick shift. Okay. And whilst dating, we attempted to try and get her to learn how to drive a stick shift. Sounding familiar. Mm-hmm. Keep going. It didn't go really very well. And it, I think there was only one lesson involved there where we both decided, you know, this is not going to work out. So the the coordination of having never driven a stick like thing um and starting it later in life mm-hmm. would be difficult. And like you said, the buckhorn's not ideal to learn how to ride. No, I would say not. <laughs> Definitely not. And since both the the VTX and the intruder are similar in characteristic, there's no reason to have them both. Right. Yeah, at least the Magna you know, it was a V4. It was at least something, you know, character wise, it was, it was different than the VTX, but also you had better braking and. Oh my God. You know, it wasn't a, wasn't a sport bike, but it was better performing probably than what you have. A whole lot. Yeah. Uh, I had done a zero to 60 test with all the bikes that I own because it fascinates me. Um, and Sony Vegas makes it super easy to see how fast, you know, you can stop at the exact frame where it hits 60, hmm. the exact frame where you start. Uh, I got six seconds or just slightly under six seconds with the VTX, which is about the same as what I got out of the Intruder. Hmm. And the best time I got on the Magna was 3.9 or 3.84, something like that. Holy smokes. 3.9, wow. Yeah, it was one of the... <laughs> well, the thing about it is, it was a great streetlight to streetlight straight line bike. If you wanted to go really fast between those two places, awesome. It performed well. But as soon as you got to something really super twisty, it was weird. <laughs> it, it performed kind of like a sport bike or maybe even more like the, the KLR or just like a, an upright standard. So you could lean it over a fair amount, but it also wallowed like hell because it was the shaft drive and just the the ergonomics of it it was not all that comfortable to ride up the mountains well you did pretty well my friend i'm just taking a peek here at uh wikipedia and what year was yours uh it was 83 it was the first year and it was the v65 oh i don't know what this what was the v30 i'm reading the wrong one but the v30 it says was only 500 cc's is that right they made three different variants. The 30, they had a 45, and then the 65. And they all, I forget, that's, I don't know if that's cubic inch. The V65 was 1,100cc. Uh, the 45 was 750. Got it. 30 was 500. Wow, this has got some pretty crazy times. They're saying that the uh, this would post a quarter mile time of 11.29 at a, almost 120 miles an hour. <laughs> yep. So straight line? 
oh, you could just fly. But man, oh man, there were times where I would take a flyover uh, that I live near where 95 and 40 intersect. And to go from the little town of Benson back to the house, it's easier to just get, you you get on 95 for a split second and then take the off ramp to go into 40. Just rip it. And just rip it in the front end on that bike over 90 miles an hour when you're like leaned over. You could feel the wheel just wobble. <laughs> and it wasn't like a, a really pronounced thing. It was just a real slow vibration. You could feel the handlebars shake back and forth. It just kind of like an infinity sign. It was dis- disconcerting. It was not yeah. fun. That starts the death wobble. You don't want that. Wow. So the, saying 1983, popular mechanics achieved a top speed of 140 mile per hour in that thing. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That I wouldn't have tried. The fastest I got it up to was like 120 something. Holy cow. Hmm. It was a fun bike and it was a fun project to bring back to life. I mean, it was nice that I was able to take this thing that absolutely did not run for anything. It sounded like a death. Um, bring that home, fix it and give it to someone that had a, like a CV 450. Right. I believe. And he was looking for something to take up on the highways and he lived up in, uh, Greensboro area, maybe somewhere more north of, of Durham. And he, his, his wife brought him here and he rode it home and it was completely fine. And it was kind of nice to have the, be able to say, I did that. I, I made that thing run again and I gave it another life. Yeah. The satisfaction out of that's got to be huge. First of all, just the time working on it, you must've been, must've had a joy just being able to wrench on it for that long. Um, to a point. It's kind of like <laughs> to a point. <laughs> like there's times where you're just so proud of it, and then there's times like, why would you do that? It's so funny. My my wife and I were talking about that today. It's like, you know, there are just some absolutely precious moments that you get with the kids, but you're like, the cost that you have to go through to get those moments is almost too much of a trade off. Yes, or. <laughs> phrases that leave your mouth you never thought would ever ever come from your mouth yeah like i'm sitting at my desk and i can't actually see into the kid's bathroom i know one of them's in there bathing and i hear splashing and my wife hears me yell whatever it is you're doing and i don't know what it is and i can't see stop doing it <laughs> so what had happened was one of them was there's like a little towel bar the back of the tub, they would step from the nozzle from the downpour or downspout oh, dear. to the towel bar to jump back into the tub. Oh my, you got a little pool in there. Oh, oh my, yes. <laughs> oh. All right, I guess we can go back to the I was going to say, I'm only laughing because I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> And you want you want people to have children so they can join this uh, this group mind of let's discuss exactly how they drive us nuts into the point of drinking. Yeah, it's nothing but joy until after they have a kid, and you're like, oh, I did forget to tell you about a few things, didn't I? Yep. And then you laugh, yep. laugh and laugh, giggle and giggle. All right. So in the stable, you still have. I still have the VTX and the Intruder. Still have the Intruder, and I see you've been doing some serious maintenance on the Intruder with the front forks, right? Yep. Actually, it's not bad. Um, in comparison to the VTX, it was not too bad. So the VTX, 
I had to have my eldest come out and pull the fork leg down because it, using the axle in the fork leg before I could get the top, oh, whatever that, the top cap to seat. Mm-hmm. It was a real nightmare. I don't want to ever have to do it again, but it's already leaking. And the, the consensus is if you don't buy OEM seals for the VTX, they're just going to leak. Uh, finding that to be true. Bummer. But the intruder is weird in that the top, you can't get the fork out of the tube until you take the cap off. The cap actually acts as a, there's no pinch bolt on top of it. Hmm. Okay. It actually acts as a mean to keep the fork from sliding through uh, the triple tree. So the cap works like a bolt then on top of yeah. it? Yeah. Huh. It does. It's I've never seen it. Not that that's like, oh, I've seen a lot of bikes. No, it's just that it, it was a strange configuration to me, but it's something they kept with the in, intruder, and I don't know if it continues on the boulevard line, but I assume it does. Right. Yeah, well, like, it clamps in the lower, the lower triple tree, right? Doesn't that... That clamps yes. on, and then at the top, just there's no clamp at the top, you're saying. It's just that cap. That's correct. Huh. But it made it easier to seat the cap because you could let the the fork down inside that the, yep. uh, depression hole, whatever. And so the cap didn't squirrely move around. Which, in hindsight, next time I do the VTX, I'm going to make sure the fork sits so that the cap goes through uh, the hole in the top of the triple tree. So it can't weeble wobble around on me. Okay. But it, it kind of encouraged me and we'll get to the, when we get to our garage segment, I have a little bit to talk about, but I've been needing to, or I guess we'll just talk about it now. <laughs> I've been needing to replace at least one seal on the, the R6 that I have now from Rico. And, you know, I'm not really dreading it, but it's just, it's not something I've ever done. So it's like, all right, I got to figure it out. And, you know, maybe get a couple of tools and get these taken apart. But after watching your video earlier today, I was like, you know, maybe it's not that bad because the R6 I have is a 2000. So the forks are not inverted. You know, they're just traditional. Oh, right, forks. Yeah, they're was one. conventional shock or conventional fork. So, you know, who was an absolute uh, godsend as far as tutorials? Del Delroy. Del, it is. Del, Del Boys? Yes. His garage segment. Yeah. He does both the regular and inverted, and just watching him is fun because he's got the accent going on and <laughs> and talking about uh, what not to do. He said, look, I've got this dent right here, right here up on my forehead from where I caught a fork uh, cap right there. Don't do that. Yeah, it's like, pay attention. This is under pressure. They seem scary, but they're not the most awful thing I've ever done on a bike. Yeah, it's just... My only hesitation is, like I said, I haven't done it before, so it's one of those things where this is a pretty important part of the bike to screw up. You know, yes, it's it kind of like pinching a tube and, you know, getting a flat at speed. You know, it's kind of, it's in that category for me where it's like, yeah, these forks have to work. You know, I can't, it's not like so, an air cleaner bolt. If I over tighten it and strip it, okay, my air cleaner is going to fall off, but I screw the up forks. The question so the nice thing about the cruisers is they're all kind of fixed. You can't get the forks out of alignment because they come down through the the triple tree. Then there'll be another clamp somewhere down the secondary. Mm-hmm. There's no wiggle room for them to be out of alignment. And I, that would be my only concern with, with the R6. Right. Yeah, because it has dual rotors as well. So they, for braking purposes too, it needs to be aligned. 
right? Because is there a clamp or just they only go into the triple tree? I have to check. I don't know. I haven't looked at it that closely because I have to get the body work off of it too. Oh, that's more fun. Yeah. It's halfway there. I have it all taken apart now because I just put a new chain and sprockets on it and I'm flushing the radiator and I'm probably going to do the air filter and things like that. So, you know, lots of the body work is already off. So it's just another step while it's in that configuration. Gotcha. Cool. All right, sir. Well, it's good to see you doing work on it. And I know the intruder may leave you one of these days, but for now you, you have two bikes in the stable. True. Well, then the future is, um, and you'll be pleased to hear this. I was going to say, where are you going next? What's next? The future is light touring because I really miss that, the kick in the seat of just being able to pin the throttle and the magnet and go, Oh my God, I feel alive. Mm, so a sporty bike that has touring potential. That sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> and unfortunately, so I went north to visit family uh, last week. But prior to that, so I, I got to ride a, oh, not the Hypermotor, the uh, Multistrada. Mm -hmm. I ride a Ducati Multistrada. And it was a bit, I'm a bit on the shorter side of things. It's tall. Yep. It is very tall. And I'm sure that they can, there's a, you can lower it maybe like a half an inch with whatever shocks are on it. And I didn't really, you know, you don't get to play with those things when you're doing a, a company sponsored demo event. No, <laughs> not usually. But I found it to be really, really twitchy. And I, I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't dislike the bike, but I found engine braking on it. I went and someone had criticized me for this for like, man, you're in fifth gear, you're doing 45. Well, the reason for that was I'm used to bikes being able to, where I let off the throttle and I start to slow down, but I don't go over the handlebars. Right. Anytime I rolled off the throttle on this Ducati, it just like almost threw me into the instrument cluster because it started to slow down that much. Yeah. You really didn't need much braking at all unless you were coming to a complete stop. And the rear bike was almost non-existent because I'm used to don't stomp that cruiser rear bike or rear tire, rear brake. Rear brake, yeah. Too hard or you're going to lock it up. Well, the Ducati was completely opposite of you better smack the crap out of me. Like insert really bad <laughs> <laughs> whatever here. Um, and it took a little bit of getting used to, but by the end of the ride, I was fine. I personally could not afford to have a Ducati in my stable. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't enjoy the Multistrad. I there a couple of things I didn't. I mean, the engine was made a nice noise, and it you know it had plenty of power as long as you kept the revs up. But it just didn't seem a lot of fun to to have to wind it up like that all the time. You know, it was almost like riding a more like a super sport. You know, where it needs to be six eight grand to get into the power, but for me, the seating position was just terrible. And I've ridden a couple of them now and the, the way the seat leans forward, that's just not a couple. Yeah, that of was a little, And I, I slid around on the seat and I was not even wearing like riding pants. I was just wearing regular blue jeans at that point. And I found myself when I pinned the throttle, I would slide all the way back to the, where the passenger seat starts and let off the throttle. I'd slide up and yep. you know, up to the tank again. Now, a couple shows ago, we did talk, I did get to ride the, the X Diavolo S right. from Ducati, and the leak from 
from Carb out of California is uh, that they're going to have a new Multistrada with that engine in it. Oh my goodness! Now that 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 I might go ride a second time because that engine is wonderful. Did you ride the 950 or the 1190? I rode the 1200, and I've also ridden the 1200S with the what do they call it? The Skyhook suspension or the, the oh. upgraded suspension. So I've ridden the 1200S and the 1200. Well, then maybe the 950 is geared differently because that's what they had stuck me on. That's the newer one. And did you I, ride the Adventure version? No. No, it was just a regular old you know, standard, uh, not with any of the touring trim stuff on it. Because there's a there's a new version to the Multistrada, you know, called the Multistrada. I think it's called the Multistrada Enduro, if I have the name right, not Adventure. Oh, uh, yes, right. And they say that the ergonomics on that are, are different enough that it, I may have to try that one again. You know, if, if you don't like the regular Multistrada, the Enduro one is is different enough that you may want to try that as well. All right. Yeah. Like you said, the uh, <laughs> not really your thing price-wise, so it's not really no. talking about. And I know we've got a person in the group who's really into his Ducati, and he likes his Ducati, and that's fine. And he did point out that people don't buy a Ducati because they want to ride a motorcycle. Uh-oh. They buy a Ducati because they want a Ducati. That's, you know, the fact that it's a motorcycle is kind of incidental. Hmm. Got it. And I agree with that. I can see that. But I, I did like that, that X Diablo S. Oh, man. That was some. But continuing on, all right, so leaving out that uh, light touring bike, the other ones in the I really need to test, the FJ09 with the tour package. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. (laughs) Well, so they have one of those at Garcia the day we did the demo ride. And I had intended to go back the following week to go ride it because they, uh, Garcia Motor will let you test ride all their used inventory, but mm-hmm. no problems. Unfortunately, in checking back this week, so it rained like for a week straight. So there was no way to get over there and test ride. And then I was preparing to go to Pennsylvania. And then having come back, uh, they just they sold it in between those times. And nobody has one. Nobody's got one in used inventory between all the, the capital power sports and the team power sports. Got to come down to Charlotte. Oh, that's right. Uh, there is one at Matthew's Fun Machines right now. Yeah, they have a demo. They have a demo FJ09, and it's for sale. I saw that. It seemed kind of... Um, $9,500 with the bags. High price, yeah. High price? What? Well, okay, I'm cheap. You know, So <laughs> the VTX, I, I spent 1500 on to buy it. <laughs> okay. That would barely get you the luggage. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think it's like eight or nine hundred for the bags. I was thinking more along the lines of six is about where I want to spend on the next bike. Okay, they have a used one too, but it's only uh, maybe another thousand less than the new one. I was surprised about that. Well, and, and there's going to be time uh, for them to come down in price. Yeah, but yeah, the the demo bike is is nice because for sixteen. They they made that a version in black, which they don't now for seventeen. Um, so I I kind of feel like sixteen is the one because it really looks good in black, and I really like it with the bags on it. So we have the FJ09 to consider, and that's a triple. Uh, it bought like eight 
93. It's got a bizarre, it just under 900. Yeah, it's like 890 something. Yeah, you're right. And 101, 102, 103 horse stock, somewhere around there. Mm, it puts over 100 to the wheel, so I don't know what it makes at the crank. Yeah, well, that's what I mean at the wheel. Yeah. It, yeah. The 950 Multistrada is like 107. Uh, so the other one that I'm, so there's two other in the light touring range. You have the Versus, both of those, um, okay. the LT trims that came out in 15, and the V-Stroms also. Similar. My, yeah, and they, but they all get, you can, they're all similar weights, they're all similar power. Uh, the smaller Versus is a twin, as in the V-Stroms, both of them are twins. And the larger version of the, the Versus, though, is a V4. Or, I'm sorry, not V4, inline four. Inline four, yeah. And I forget what that makes for power. It, it makes a fair amount of power, and it's not horrible for commuting. Hmm. But I'd be concerned with the 650 that I would find myself doing these long highway runs and just going, man, this thing whines too much on the highway. and. <laughs> Well, now the the FJ is going to turn quite a few more RPMs than you're used to as well. You know, just you just purring along, you know, you're going to be turning, you know, five, six, seven, depending on what gear you're in and, you know, how fast you're going. But, you know, it, it's not going to lumber down there like your, your cruiser. Oh, the cruiser. No, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's more a matter of does the wine really get to you for extended seat time? And that's the problem with these with test rides to me you don't get enough time yeah no and it's it's really hard to rent a specific bike in my area yeah in fact i don't know anyone that rents bikes but harley yeah or in or in general it's hard to get a something other than you know harley indian and some places also have some bmws and i was actually looking at eagle rider recently they do have quite a large inventory but it's very few dealerships like I was surprised they had some Ducati and they had Triumphs and, you know, Moto Guzzi. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then you look and it's like California, Las Vegas, uh, <laughs> you know, so you're like t- two locations. Yeah. And, oh, and Jonathan had mentioned the, the something from Moto Guzzi is in the like touring range as well. I forget which. Mm, yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But now how how sporty do you want this thing to be? I think the leader bike has got me absolutely going, oh, I so want that. Like the, the Versus 1000 seems like it would be absolutely the best fit for me as far as the power on paper. Well, I'm I'm cross, sort of cross shopping the, not really cross shopping, but I'm cross comparing the FJ09 with the Ninja 1000. Oh, right. Well, don't they make a touring version of that? Well, you can Still go all- just- no, you can go all the way up to the con- the big concourse, but that's based on well, like the ZX14. But right. the, the Ninja 1000 is a, a smaller, tidier bike, I guess loosely based on the ZX10, but it's more upright. You know, it doesn't have, you know, it has more of an upright bars and and the rear set is adjusted a little bit, plus you can get luggage on it. Right. You know, still has a, a good size fairing on it, adjustable windshield. It's, it's not like a, I guess I would call it a sport touring bike, but it's, it's got more of a nod to the sport side right? than the tour. You know, if you go concourse or something like the big FJR, I think you're going to lean towards the touring side. I like the FJR. I like the ST1300 and I like the concourse. 
but yeah, I don't know if I want to be behind that much plastic all the time in North Carolina. They're bigger bikes. And, and Roger keeps reminding me, I, I got to get on this bike, <laughs> the KTM Super Duke GT. Let's not forget that one. Oh, so hey, you know what? There's a there's one for sale down here, the Super Duke t- 1290. But the, well, but the GT, a- though, not the sport bike. Okay. Well, no, the, well, the, the 1290 Super Duke is just a naked, more or less. Right. But if it's a Super Duke GT, then it's a more of a sport touring bike. Oh, okay. So you get a little more fairing, luggage, that kind of thing. I got you. But it's the same bike. It's still that rowdy Super Duke <laughs> engine right. and everything. Uh, but we cannot forget, though, the Modus. The Modus is still like touring. It's yeah. just I can't spend $30,000. No, I'm sorry. The Team Power Sports has one used for $26,000. Yeah, there, a lot of them are now selling the demo bikes for 3000 off. Oh, uh, well, this one had come in from a, someone had bought it, put, I forget, some several thousand amounts of miles on it. And oh, they have a, a, like a proper used one. Okay. Yep. So he'd done a demo ride on it. And I'm like, oh, I'm excited for this. And then I heard him start it up. I'm thinking, is, is something wrong with this bike? Sounds like a Ducati dry clutch. <laughs> it just sounds like a box of rocks in, in, or in a rock tumbler. It's just, yeah. I thought for sure it was running not nope. properly. It's not broken. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, boy, I like the, the on paper. I love this bike. It's a V4. Did you ride it's a it? Big bike. No, they, but now. Oh my god! I want to. So Garcia's got one, and apparently they offer it. Anybody can come ride it. So on my list, just go ride it. It's it, just for the experience alone. I mean, that V4 is so unique. I mean, it makes so much torque. It's ridiculous, and it's it's a push rod V4. So it's. You know, it's akin to like a small block. That apparently is the explanation for the sounds coming out of it off idle. I don't know if it's that or it's something in the flywheel. There's another part in there that's rattling around. I don't know if it's the valve train or not. Oh. When I noticed uh, whilst looking at the bike, I think they stuck a car alternator on that thing. Did you see the size? It's on the left-hand side of the bike. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's like, what, 700 and some? It puts out a lot of amps. Amps or something. Yeah, it's pretty... It is like a car part, yeah. Well, they might have. I mean, they, they pull. I wonder how many parts they pull off the shelf. That'd be something to ask them next time you guys have them on. Yeah, but it's worth a ride. Just just take it out for a run. The the character of that engine, there there's nothing like it because, like I said, it has a boatload of torque. It'll still rev to like seven thousand, and once likely well, revs higher than that. But once you get up around seven thousand, the whale out of that thing is unreal. I do miss a V4, and that's why I was kind of trending toward it. Yeah. And what about an older, um, gosh, I forgot what they're called already, uh, VFR? Like an older VFR? Um, I thought about it. In fact, there's a guy up the street that has one, and it's it's fully decked out for touring. It's got, uh, it's got the blue, red, and white color scheme from Honda, and it's got the blue hard cases on the back of it. And I never see the guy. He's never freaking home. <laughs> There's one like that here. There's a 2010 for sale over here, and it's it's very lightly ridden. It's it looks brand new, and the guy's only asking like 6,500 bucks. I was like, oh my god, that's tempting. Nice deep red. The only complaint I've heard, so I, I've I read a couple reviews where they'd done uh, a couple of the light tourings with the versus the V-Strom. 
uh, the FJ and they threw in a VFR cause they just had one mm. and all the editors had agreed that, um, sadly all the light touring bikes were actually faster and more nimble than the VFR was. It's just the sound, you know, I, Oh yes. I like having character to the bike. You know what I mean? It's kind of like sport bikes, you know, the inline fours, they almost all sound the same until you get the R1, you know, and it has a little different sound to it. That old cross plane. Yeah. Cross plane crank or whatever they call it. So stuff like that. I like things like that. Yep. And the VFR is still a V4 to mm-hmm. this day. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Magna, that one is gear driven. Say what? The, so the VFR is gear driven VF4. RV4, the Magnolime was cam-driven. Ah, okay. Was that, was your Magnum, was that shaft? Final drive? It was. Okay. And that's the other turnoff to me, to all the the adventure bikes and all those, um, that kind of line, they're all chain. <laughs> Even the Modus is a damn chain. It's like, I just, oh, I don't want to deal with that. No, I don't. I I like the shaft drive options that I've had. I've had three bikes so far and they've all had a shaft drive and it's just fantastic to, I get on the bike, I put the kickstand up, I back it out of the garage and I go, I don't have to think, Oh my God, I forgot to clean the chain this last ride out. Better do it now. Yep. Yeah. It's just, ah, it's just one of those things. I'm, I don't know. And someone's going to call me out for being whiny on that. And I don't freaking care. I just, (laughs) I don't care. I don't like chains. Damn it. (laughs) I like, Yes, I know it's not a car, and I'm, I'm kind of like getting lazy, and it's the old mobile of bikes, whatever. But it's just kind of nice to not think about it. It's yeah, and especially you know, as Roger says, you know, chain on a touring bike is nuts. Yeah, if you're talking about a bike, you're going to go and just put thousands of miles on at a at a whack. Do you really want to be adjusting and cleaning and lubing a chain all that often? That just seems crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like the, and, these bikes are not that powerful. Throw a belt on there. You know, put a nice belt on there, or you know, like the big Connie, the shaft drive. Yes, and even the the Honda version, the ST thirteen hundred's got a shaft, and uh, someone else has got oh the FJR. That's probably chain driven though. Yeah, FJR. No, no, that one is shaft driven as well. I like. I love the thought of that bike, and I'm. I would like to eventually get there, but man, it's a big freaking bike. Yeah. All right. Well, you got time for a couple of uh, U-turn topics? Yes? No? Yeah. Oh, I do. I didn't know it was a question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were saying that it, as a whole, during this recording, we have time for that. But yep, I'm good. All right. So before we do that, I need to take a moment and thank the folks that make our show possible. And just remind everyone that if you'd like to join the Riders of Loud Pipes, go check out loudpipes.net slash donate and pick the level that, that suits your fancy. And let's start with our first five and barbershop riders. That would be Jebby and Zion. The remaining barbershop riders are Chuck, Mike, and Chris. We have three first five riders in the riders group. That would be Marcus, Rickard, and Edward. The rest of the riders group is Steve, Micah, Jim, Kenny, Roger, and Dangerous Dave. Rounding out with our insider, Darren. So like we said, loudpipes.net slash donate is a place to be. Check it out. I like that. Dangerous Dave. Dangerous Dave. Where's my button? The only YouTuber kind of handle going on there. What's up with that? (laughs) There it is.
All right, two quick U-turn topics, and the first one I kind of already we kind of already talked about with not wanting to deal with chains, but I just want to give a quick shout out to John Jones. He also rides a Modus, and he sent me a little feedback on the chain drive and maintenance, and he wanted me to check out a product called the the Cobra Chain Oiler. Have you ever seen one of those? I have. Yeah. Um, if I got a chain, that would be something I do. It looks pretty neat. And I remember from the KLR days, they always talked about this thing called the Scott Oiler, which is similar. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes, which will be loudpipes.net slash 96. And I don't know, I thought it was neat. And it seems to be manual, if I've got this right. Like you just kind of tweak it when you need some oil and just keep going. Doesn't seem to be like overly oiling the chain so you don't have a lot flinging all over the place. I don't know. I got to check it out a little closer because as much as I hate the chain, I have to deal with one now on the R6. And if I ever get an FJ, I have a chain there too. So something I'll need to look at. True enough. True enough. All right. Thanks, John, for that. Appreciate it. And just want to talk one other topic. It looks like Harley's fine has been reduced. So we previously talked on a prior episode about um, Harley had reached a settlement with um, the EPA, and now it looks like the Department of Justice has taken a little money off of that fine. So they've taken about $3 million off the $15 million fine that was slapped on them for selling quote-unquote illegal tuning kits. So what do you think, Matthew? Is your bike tuned at all? No, you're still <laughs> stock, right? Uh, well, and it's a, a carbureted bike anyway. Oh, that's right. Still carb. Yeah. Well, it's going to, all right, so if I keep the bike for any amount of years. Jet kit. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm hearing while well, I'm reading that <laughs> it's possible if you basically uh, circular saw off the top of the airbox, you put a K&N filter in there, uh, you put a Stage 3 factory Jet Pro kit into it and either put new straight pipes on or drill out the baffles on your current pipes, mm-hmm. you're looking at about a 15% increase. Oh, nice. That's Which is it. six or seven horsepower. See, Roger, good bang for your buck. <laughs> Just razzing him. We had a whole debate about that in the clubhouse this week. <laughs> well, and none of that cost a lot of money. The The jet kit's under $100. Yeah. Uh, the can's 70 something like that. Yeah. And decapitating the airbox is free. And, and drill bit for the backside. Yeah, and you drill like six holes through the baffles. Unfortunately, man, our pipe's expensive. Relatively speaking to me, because I'm a cheap bastard. Um, well, yeah, if, if you spent five to seven hundred dollars on a set of Vance and Hines, that's half the cost of the bike. Exactly. That's that's my whole problem with it. Like, man, I, I didn't want to invest <laughs> that much into this. That I know I, I like it for what it enables me to do, but I'm not in love with it. I wouldn't marry this bike. Okay. So this this bike's a stepping stone and as we've already talked, you're looking at some sportier bikes with touring potential, as am I, so we're definitely gonna have to keep that conversation going. Yep. Okay. So that was my only other U turn topics. Let's take a quick spin over to the garage. Why can't I find anything tonight? So just a tiny bit of wrenching on my side, although it was good bonding time with my older son Bryce. He's really into bikes and he enjoyed helping me 
put the new sprockets on the R6 and the new chain and got the the master link all riveted down and good to go. Helped me align the rear wheel, use the torque wrench and all that stuff. So he just, he had a good time and did a little check ride once I was done. <laughs> nice. Of course, it's not licensed, but you know, gotta, you gotta check it, right? You gotta check your work. I agree. Well, no one looks twice at me around here anyway, so. <laughs> right. I think I rode the first months on the intruder, just circuits around the back roads here and didn't have it inspected insured or anything else. Yeah. Yeah, did did oil change as well. I'm not sure what kind of oil Rico was running, but I got the stock Yamaha oil filter, but I did I did pop for some Repsol fully synthetic race oil, 1040 weight. And that's about all I could find. I definitely wanted synthetic oil, but when I was in the bike shop, that was about all they had in the right grade. So it's about sixty bucks for was it four liters, I guess. And that drives me insane. But when I looked at other stuff, I looked at like uh, Redline Oil and Royal Purple and some of those other ones. They were all right in there, $15 a quart or so. So it was about yeah, the same it's price. Pricey compared to, well, now I don't move the same volume uh, with bike as I do with cars. So yeah, yeah, I get it, economy of scale and all that. But me personally, so I changed oil on the VTX for the second time since I'd gone, I was like 4,200 miles on it. And I am going to be sticking with the Rotella T6 for this. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people like that for bikes. There was a big brouhaha earlier in the year. No, just a couple months ago, Rotella had come out with a revised copy of what they were doing with T6. Mm. And there was a fear that they were going to introduce modifier or friction modifiers into it or something. Oh, yeah, and then kill the clutch, right? Yes, but it turned out that really all that had happened was someone had updated the what is that? J J A S O, whatever the standard is. Mm-hmm. It's slightly revised, and they slightly revised the formula to meet the new standard. So did they? Did they screw with it? Can you still use it for a bike or no? Oh, it's it's perfectly fine. And really, it's you know like adding a grain of sand into uh, a desert. <laughs> it was that kind of change. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, and that's about it, I guess, for wrenching wise. I, I do want to flush the coolant yet. I still haven't I haven't completed that, but I'm gonna do the air filter as well. I don't think I'm gonna tackle the plugs or carb sinking or anything. It it runs great. I mean, the throttle response is is lightning quick. It it revs like no one's business. So I really have no need to touch any of that stuff. I just can't wait to get it on the road and or the track. So looking forward to that. So now is that officially yours or just officially yours whilst Rico is uh, not using. <laughs> yeah, no, officially mine. So, yep, papers, papers in the house, and just doing the maintenance now. Just going through it. It had the original chain on it, so for twenty, twenty four, twenty five thousand miles on it. That's not bad. It wasn't bad, but it had a couple of frozen links, so it was hard to, you know, it would be really loose, and then you'd roll it around, and it would be super tight. So there was really no way to adjust it. Right. So they were either, a couple of them were stretched pretty good, or there were a couple that didn't move too much. That's why I was saying they are frozen, but figured it was time. So new sprocket, new chains. I did convert it a little bit, just slightly. The The, the stock one is like a 532 size, and I just bumped it down a little bit to a 530 because I couldn't find a 532 anywhere. So does that affect bottom end torque or top end speed, that particular sprocket? 
No, same size sprocket size in terms oh. of the number of teeth. It's just it's just slightly narrower chain. You know, because a lot of times people will go down to a 520, which is significantly narrower and lighter. So it's a lighter gauge chain, you know, you get quicker acceleration, things like that. But, you know, I didn't go down that far. I just just did a small change because, like I said, I couldn't find the the stock parts. I would be afraid, um, in terms of the chain, since you have that much metal moving that quickly, that going to an even narrower um, <laughs> and less metal is at some point you're going to snap a link and you're going to end up with a chain inside the engine or through your leg. From what I understand, the people that do the 520 conversions do it for track bikes only, and yeah. they don't use them very long. You know what I mean? They, Yeah, they put them on, they kind of get burned up. The sprockets get burned up as well because they're a lot thinner, so they're replacing them quite often. So I, I didn't do that because I, I do plan on riding it on the road too, so I want it to have some life to it. But at some point, if it ends up being track only, yeah, it may do a 520 as well. Well, then the the memes are real about if you never want your children to get into drugs, get them into motorcycle racing. Mm-hmm. Any really racing. Anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Money, money, money. Never have money for everything else. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit you up for uh, the front fork advice. I'm definitely going to tackle that now and take them both apart. I'm, I'm going to look for heavier springs as well. I've been watching a ton of videos on you know setting up the suspension and things like that because it's multi-adjustable uh, front forks and rear suspension so everything i've read i need to change the springs because i'm a bit heavier than rico so you know cranking the preload isn't what you want you want a heavier spring so looking for those as well so that'll go in with the oil change and everything uh, the only brand I've ever seen mentioned anywhere on any of the bikes I've worked on is Progressives. For springs? And maybe it's more of a cruiser thing versus a sport bike thing. But Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. It's like anything. You know, how much do you want to spend, right? <laughs> yes. This is so true. You know, there's Progressive. There's, you know, you can go all the way up high end like Olin's. You know, you can get spring kits from them. You know, probably be a, a relatively stock part, but just a, a stiffer spring rate to support my weight. And then I can dial it in. You know, then I can use the rest of the adjusters as they're intended, as opposed to just cranking up the preload to you know to settle for my weight. Right. So that's the idea. All right, Matthew, have you come up with? Um, have you come up with your seven plus one? I can give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> someone else is going to count for me because I'm going to absolutely not be able to keep track of it. I'll type. You ramble. <laughs> All right, so you know what, number one on the list would be a Tesla, but the Model 100 or 110 or whatever the, the most ludicrous one they got now is. Are you talking about the sedan, the Model S? Yes, they've got one with like a 110 kilowatt battery pack now. P100D with ludicrous mode? Yes, there it is. Yep. <laughs> Roughly. It can pretty much spank any sport bike right up until about 60 miles an hour or 70 or whatever it is. But they make a good just all-around driving car. Range sucks, but, you know. That's that's on the list of several of us in the clubhouse, so you're in good company. All right, that's one. Uh, secondarily, I would love to have another vehicle to have four-wheel drive. Oh. So I don't live anywhere that needs it anymore, but, you know, it was nice to have. So something Subaru 
sporty hatchbacky. What do they make anymore? They still make the WRX. I don't know if they make it in a wagon. John, he's in the chat. Do they make a WRX wagon anymore? Subaru hatchback. Outback. Uh, oh, they only just picked the hatch the outback. That sucks. All right, so we'll say old WRX wagon. Yeah, that works. <laughs> okay, that's two. All right, third. You can't get this vehicle here, but man, it'd be awesome if you could. Honda makes a Civic diesel. You can get pretty much anywhere else but the States. Two-door or four-door? I uh, don't call I think it is just a two-door. I think it's a coupe. Okay. But you can get a good 70 miles to the gallon out of the damn thing just driving normal. Emissions-wise, okay, yeah, it's dirtier than a regular gasser, but come on, we need vehicles like that for people to drive like they normally do down here. Yep. Thanks, Volkswagen. Yeah, no kidding. And Ford. And everyone else who's cheating. Yeah, <laughs> and all those folks selling the <laughs> the delete kits and the, the DPI, you know, ignores and all that. But all right, so Civic. Um, That's three. Diesel. I guess we go to bikes now. I would love a Modus. If I had the money, oh. for Modus, that would be my first bike of choice right there. All the way up to the MSTR with the carbon wheels? I, you know, not concerned about that. More in, more in it for the fact it's a V4. It's American made. I presume most of it's built here, you know. Hand built in Alabama. And that would be just stellar to own. Awesome. Good choice. That's on many a list as well. Second bike choice. Really, I would love an FJR 1300. Oh, nice. There you go. It's got cruise control. I think it's got cruise. I think the newer models, like 15 and up. I think it probably even has a bidet on it. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure it has all that. (laughs) But it's a nice big old touring bike that you could ride from here to the West Coast. and You know, I'd still be stopping every 120 miles, not because of the bike, but because of me. But yeah, you know. Cool. Well, you can ride across country with me then. That would work. <laughs> All right. Six? Or that's five. What's six? I would love to have an autocross Miata. Ah. Just because. Or, you know, even just like an old Triumph Tiger or, oh, Something old and Italian, you know, Something. small car, like car you could take and just go autocross and have fun with and burn up a whole lot of money, tires and gas. All right. The Miata is not Italian, but I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> true. But I mean, if I couldn't be a Miata, then it's something. You can get the new rebodied Fiat. That's basically a Miata. Hey. <laughs> what makes Fiat? Is that Italian? Yeah. Yeah. That's Italian. All right. Okay. So this is seven final one. And then I need a project. You know, I would put the KTM 1290 on the list. The Duke? Of bikes that, yeah. Or the Super Duke. Super Duke. Super Duke. Just based on, so Dodge Rider is a local YouTuber, works for Team Power Sports now. And he's selling his because he's got other projects going on. And he has a buddy with an R1. And the Super Duke will spank the crap out of the R1. It's got way more low-end torque than the R1. And Are you sure? Uh, Even the new one? Yes, they did some side-by-side stuff. Well, maybe it isn't the newer one. Was it R1M? 
I don't know. Mm. I'm going to have to go find some YouTube videos. No, and you can take an R1 out to, what, 90 in first gear? Oh, I don't know. Something like that. But the Super Duke had more torque on tap from just, let's say, 30 miles an hour than the R1 did. And so he could, he, the R1 would eventually catch up given enough the distance. <laughs> a long enough runway, I'm going to catch you. The thing is, though, that the Super Duke just had too much of an advantage just from the get-go. Yeah. That it didn't really matter. Yeah. The, well, Ducati theoretically has that advantage, too. The, the big V, or the big twin, won't say V, but the big twin, you know, gets out of the hole with some insane torque. So, yeah, the R1 and, you know, BMW's S1000 and things like that are going to eventually get you on the big end. But if you can get enough of a lead starting, then, yeah, away you go. That's cool. Nice bike. All right. So I need a project. Something to ranch on. Other than what you already have. <laughs> Unless you want to count those. No. Well, I've got a, a KTM 50 um, Pro Junior. I still got a fix. For that the, one's for the kids. Yeah. But it would be nice to restore like an old BMW. Like a, was it K90, K75, something like that. I don't know my BMWs that well, but old BMWs. The older 60s or 70. Probably, you're probably thinking like an R90. Right. Something like that. Before they got really big, they, you know, they were just like a 60s, 70s bike that had kind of a, a fairing on it. You recognize it. You think maybe it was a BSA, but oh, no, it's a BMW. All right. John says K100. Let's see what that looks like. I think it's a little too new, though, the K100. No, that's a... F- Four cylinder, John, from eighty three to ninety two. Yeah, that's a little too new. I'm thinking an R ninety. Let me pull a picture. I think this is what you're thinking of. R ninety. Yeah, from seventy three to seventy six. Yeah, something like that. There's an R ninety S. Oh, that's a sporty one though. But it'd be a nice project to to restore. Something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, good. We'll put some links to what we can find for bikes related to that in the show notes. People can see that. Good picks, Matthew. Thank you for that. Yes, sir. And let's see. I think that's <clears throat> I think that's about it. You know, events-wise, John's in the chat. He's heading out on his monster ride later tonight or early tomorrow morning. So events-wise, probably just have the Ray Price Capital City Bike Fest. That's in Raleigh, uh, 23rd, 24th of September. And we're working on our details for episode live hundred, episode live hundred, yeah, <laughs> episode one hundred live show, which will coincide with our three year anniversary. Probably going to happen sometime just after Labor Day. And just before we close, I'd like to thank the Riders of Loud Pipes again for their continued support. And we just encourage everyone to check out loudpipes.net/slash/donate. And also check out Matthew's YouTube channel. Like we said, it's Off Balance, O P H Balance. He does motor vlogging over there, and occasionally you might see him wrenching on his electric car as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't film any of that. I missed an opportunity there. You had some pictures. They must have been on Instagram, right? Yes. Yep, that's pictures on Instagram. All right. Well, let's uh, throw the kickstands up. Thanks for joining again, and we'll have you, we'll have you back again, of course. Awesome. All right. Have a good night, everyone.
Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.